Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're invited to I Am The Cute One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Chelsea, and I am The Cute One. And I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. And today we are joined with a returning cutie. We have Jenna, the host of Talks in Class, here with us today. Hi. Hi. Hey. Thanks for coming back. Of yeah. course. Thanks for having me back. Whenever we have a returning guest, I'm like, oh, I'm so excited we made a friend. And also, what's wrong with you for ever subjecting <laughs> yourself to this again? Oh, no. We love it. It's all fun. <laughs> so this week is the 25th anniversary of Home Alone 2. So naturally, we're covering Home Alone 1 today. (laughs) And whose fault is that? It's mine because I just need to say at the top of the episode, this was my first time ever watching Home Alone. And like I knew the references. I knew Merry Christmas, You Filthy Animals. Like I had seen so much. It's one of those movies that like you just feel like you know because you've been existing in this world. Right. But I have to say watching it, from beginning to end, I was like immediately triggered. I hated this movie, first of all. (laughs) But second of all, as someone who is living with two tiny terrorists in my home day in and day out, I watch movies to escape from children telling adults they're dummies, you know? (laughs) And so to watch it, I was like, well, feels like home. This is a two-parter. One, I think that that is definitely a you problem and you should not take it out on the McAllisters, <laughs> especially not Kevin. Mm-hmm. And two, I think you don't really hate it. This is just revenge for me hating You've Got Mail last week. Mm, perhaps. <laughs> Can you even believe that, Jenna? No, I'm horrified. <laughs> yeah. I'm horrified. Although I, as an adult watching it, Kevin is absolutely insufferable. They're all insufferable, Everybody. all the children. But this is a classic. How can you hate it? I know. Even if every single person is so annoying. (laughs) It's Christmas magic. But see, I think it's Christmas magic for people who grew up with it. Because let me tell you, I made the mistake. Well, I didn't make the mistake. Donnie blew up my spot immediately. I texted him, I hate this movie. And he immediately posted it to Instagram. All of the bullies flocked to me. I have been no, cyberbullied. You are the bully here. No, I was one of them. I chimed in immediately and I said, what? Yeah, but Absolutely Jenna, you're not. not the bully here. We are just defending what's right in the world. Mm-hmm. Chelsea is the bully in this situation. You guys are social justice warriors. <laughs> we are. Yeah, no. My DMs right now are just full of people being like, What is wrong with you? You're a Grinch. (laughs) But see, that's the thing. I'm usually a Christmas elf. My tree is already up. My house is decorated. But I think I just wasn't expecting for everybody to be terrible, you know? I have a question. Mm -hmm. Well, I have two questions. First, how did you manage to get through this much of life without seeing this? And second, have you seen the second one? No, I haven't. What? (laughs) I know. With these type of movies, it gets to a point that like, I feel like I've seen it because everybody talks about it and then you don't want to admit you haven't seen it and I'm not the type of person that I wasn't going to like go to Blockbuster and rent it by myself Mm -hmm. you know yeah I relate to this because I haven't seen a lot of pop culture things Mm. and sometimes I just don't have the energy to admit that I haven't seen it because you know 
everybody attacks. Like it is a skill I've learned in social situations. I'm very good at context clues, but I'll just smile politely. And then the conversation will go in a different direction. And I never have to like be the person being attacked for not seeing Home Alone. But hey, <laughs> now I have. And now I can be attacked for my opinions about it. Well, by the end of this hour, you won't because I will change you. Okay. Okay. Just like Ebenezer Scrooge, by the end, the Christmas spirit will be in my heart. And if not, I'll show you your own grave, just like the ghost of Christmas future. Oh, good. Wonderful. (laughs) So this movie was released on November 16th, 1990. It was, as always, a Friday. The number one song in the United States was Love Takes Time by Mariah Carey. Also this week, Millie Vanilli was stripped of their Grammy Award because the duo did not sing... At all on the Girl You Know It's True album. What a time. (laughs) And I feel like that was like one of the biggest oopsie doopsies, but I can't bring up lip syncing or faking it till you make it without bringing up Ashley Simpson. Mm. I just think of that SNL little jiggity (laughs) jig she did. It's forever burned into my brain. Just iconic that that was her immediate response. That was her reaction. That was her go-to. I wonder what my go-to would be. Like, what would be the move I would bust out in a humiliating live situation? Not that, I hope. Well, I told a story in one of our like first ever episodes when we were still covering Mary-Kate and Ashley. So I'm not going to repeat it. It's over on the Patreon if you guys want to listen to it. Later that night, I was hit by a car. So it was a pretty bad night from start to finish. <laughs> but I was in a talent show and everybody like bailed. And my go-to was to do like a weird sort of like bring it on movement of the arms, movement of the torso. Maybe you've never seen that either, but I can assure you that move is not in bring it on. <laughs> Well, if you wanted to see my bring it on movie, You don't want to. If you want to weigh in on whether or not I look like a bring it on gal, head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for the uncut, unedited, and unhinged versions of our current shows. <laughs> Great. So do you have any background tidbits for us today, Donnie? I do. It was directed by Christopher Columbus, not, you know, the <laughs> Indigenous People Day one. Um, Imagine. <laughs> That might explain a lot, though. I would celebrate Christopher Columbus Day if it was because he directed Home Alone. I mean, Kevin McAllister was like one smallpox blanket away. (laughs) Jesus. Off to a great start. As always. Merry Christmas. But it's still November, so it's fine. Christopher Columbus also directed Adventures in Babysitting, Mrs. Doubtfire, Stepmom, the first two Harry Potter movies, and Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. So truly a wide range. Oh, so I I like most of them. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Me neither. But as I was going through his IMDb credits, my eyes lit up more and more every time. I was like, this truly is a jackpot. Do you think we could cover Stepmom or is it too sad? We can make anything not sad. Yeah, that's true. We can make anything dark that's supposed to be uplifting and anything funny that's supposed to be sad. So, okay. Add it to the list. Yeah, Stepmom's on the list. And we're putting A Walk to Remember. That's on the list, too. (gasps) Oh, my God. What a classic. (laughs) The dip told us before it was too dark, but... We're no longer with them, so now we can cover whatever <laughs> kids wait, dying we Wait, we should want. wait till, like, when is um, seasonal affective disorder the worst? Like, February? We should cover all the sad movies. And that's actually oh when God. A Walk to Remember came out, was, like, smack in the middle of winter. Oh. I don't know if it was February. I think it might have been January. Okay. I know this because I found an old VHS tape at my mom's house where I had taped 
the real world in 2001 and there's a preview for it oh my god on that tape. what season of the real world was that that you take they were doing a marathon of old seasons so it's the whole season of seattle oh wow leading up to the premiere of the chicago season incredible Oh. And I don't even think Seattle's on Paramount Plus. It's not. Oh, my God. I was so disappointed, but I have history. a VHS of yeah. it with commercials. You, you could, could sell that sell on that. eBay right. and, like, buy a house. <laughs> That's actually a good plan. <laughs> Hit me up with bids, everybody. <laughs> I Am The Cute One is now looking for sponsors. If you have a business you'd like to promote, email IamTheCuteOnePodcast at gmail.com to inquire about rates and packages. It was written by John Hughes, who in the 80s wrote 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, and Ferris Bueller. I hate all of those movies. <gasps> Sorry, hate them. But in the 90s, he wrote Curly Sue, Beethoven, and 101 Dalmatians. And those are art. So, Beethoven! <laughs> John Hughes, if you're listening, I love your 90s work. You know, we should reach out to him. We. You guys know who's We. <laughs> But I don't know if he's probably ever received an email that's like, we'd love to interview you about your 90s work. I would love to talk more about 101 Dalmatians. I would love to listen to that. <laughs> we'll see what happens. It could be a Christmas miracle. The budget was $18 million. This, I think, is the biggest amount that we've ever had. My jaw dropped writing it. It cost $18 million to make, and it made $477 million worldwide. Wow, in 1990. Whoa. Uh-huh. So I don't know if that, like, I don't know how movie budgets and box office numbers work. I don't know if that's just box office or, like, if that includes the video game and the Walkman and the toys and stuff. I don't know. But Home Alone made $477 million. Wow. Way to go, Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. Now I know why we don't really see him anymore. I wouldn't either. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The taglines, okay, one of them I think is brilliant, and one of them is the worst we've ever had. So I'll give you the brilliant one first. It said, a family comedy without the family. Get mm-hmm. it? Because he's home alone. Yeah, you may have mm-hmm. oversold it with brilliant, no, it's but brilliant. it's funny. Yeah, It's brilliant. Well, when you compare it to this, you'll okay. see. The second one is just, holy cow. <laughs> what? You're kidding. I don't know why. I don't know how. Just holy cow. (laughs) No. See, when we get taglines like this, I get angry. (laughs) Somebody got paid for that. There's someone in the entertainment industry that presented that. And then not only that, there was like a table of people who said, Let's put that on a poster. (laughs) Surely there could have been. I mean, even using the word holy, oh, holy night. It still doesn't make sense, but at least it's Christmas related. Like, come on, holy cow. I know. And when I was in fifth grade in church, my Sunday school class raised enough money to buy a cow for some family in another country. And we make, he, we got shirts made that said, holy cow, we did it. So at least that made sense. That's actually kind of funny. Thank you. Very weird story, but funny. Uh-huh. So much to unpack, but let's keep it moving. Was that the end of your segment, Donnie? That's it, yeah. Okay, Uh great. So before we make Jenna break down this plot in one minute, I want to know what character, if any, do you identify with in this movie? I identify with John Candy's character because I too am 
a Wisconsinite who <laughs> likes to throw that into any conversation that I can. And I like to say the word Sheboygan a lot because it's funny. <laughs> I actually don't know anything about Polka, but he's my favorite character in the movie besides Catherine O'Hara, who I love. Yeah, But love he's hilarious. Well, since you brought her up, that is who I identify as because I also fluster easily and I become a bitch when I'm stressed. So like mm-hmm. when John Candy was trying to help her, he was trying to help her and she still was nasty and didn't have time for his nonsense. But like he is taking you to the child that you left behind. Maybe just plaster a grin on it for a second. Oh no, that's a long drive. In the back of a van. <laughs> mm-hmm, listening to polka music. Yeah. With chickens? Were there chickens? No, I don't think there were chickens. I think spiritually <laughs> there may have been chickens. Okay, okay. I could picture it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it seems like there should be. <laughs> then the tagline could have been, he flew the coop. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it does make sense that you are Kevin's mom because I am Kevin's dad mm. who literally could give one flying fuck that his son is stuck at home. He's like, all right, honey, you figure it out. I'm going to go to my brother's house now. Watch some TV. Yeah. Because also, like, if I were one of Kevin's parents, I might also have accidentally left him. This kid, and I know we'll get into it, but he is a menace to society. If he went to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, the Oompa Loompas would sing a song about what a little shithead he is. There is something dark about this person. If you shaved his head, there might be a 666 right there inside. God. Jenna, can you please give us this synopsis? I'm going to put one minute on the clock. Take it away. All right. Well, Home Alone is about the McAllister family, who are a apparently insanely rich suburban Chicago family with way too many bratty children. Mm -hmm. And they decide to take a family trip to Paris for Christmas, as one does. And because it's 1990 and they don't have iPhones, their electricity goes out in the middle of the night, resetting their alarm clocks. They sleep in. Chaos ensues. They're late for the airport. And in the chaos... They just completely forget about their child, Kevin, who is asleep in the attic, essentially on a couch. So the whole McAllister clan flies to Paris. Eight-year-old Kevin is home alone in his mansion to eat ice cream and watch dirty movies. And then he overhears two burglars very explicitly and loudly in broad daylight outline their plan to come rob the McAllister home at 9 p.m. sharp to steal VCRs. And instead of calling the cops and saying, these guys are going to be at my house at 9 p.m., Kevin just rigs the entire house with booby traps, tortures these men with toys and feathers and like a tarantula and then calls the cops, <laughs> at which point his mother makes it home to him by way of a road trip with John Candy in the back of a van. And they live happily ever after until the second movie where they go to New York and the whole thing happens again. I mean, at what point is a CPS call being made? Seriously. <laughs> I would now like to take the time to come out publicly as Team Burglar. Oh, my God. I am Team Wet Bandit. I don't understand how there's any world where I'm supposed to be rooting for Kevin and his family. Okay, two things. One, (laughs) even if he was a brat pre-being home alone, this boy did more in three days that was braver than I've done my whole life combined. (laughs) Like, even if I overheard these burglars now and I didn't have access to a phone for whatever reason, I would not be able to defend myself by any means. You say brave. I say stupid. This is not bravery. This is, you made a poor choice, child. They could have gone really, really badly. It could have. They did almost kill him until the neighbor, or they were going to bite off his fingers. Yeah. And then the neighbor got hit some with a shovel. So, you know, 
Poor choices. Since you brought that up, I will say I was looking up trivia and Joe Pesci had Kevin's finger in his mouth. And during the first shoot, the old man hit Joe Pesci with the thing first. And Joe Pesci actually bit <laughs> Macaulay Culkin's finger. And he has a scar to this day. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> so he bit hard. Yeah. Well, because a shovel hit him in the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> So the movie opens with the McAllister family getting ready to leave for family vacation. It is chaos. People packing, whiny little brat Kevin tattling, and a random assortment of strangers just entering the house, including an unpaid pizza delivery boy and a concerned neighborhood cop who is definitely not a burglar. That cop was in the house for eight and a half minutes before anyone acknowledged him. He could have just stolen the VCR right then, (laughs) and the movie would have been over. (laughs) And this is where I will say it. The McAllisters deserved to get robbed. Like, the way that they are just, like, willy-nilly letting people stand in the foyer. Like, number one, you're rude as fuck. Number two, he really could have just been wandering around and just blended in with the 1,000 people that are in this giant-ass house. Truly. How many kids were living in this home? Too many. I think there are four children. Okay. Kevin, Buzz, the sister, and the kid from Pete and Pete. But then there's the cousins that are visiting. Too many cousins. It's disgusting. But then there's only one other set of parents, right? Because some of the kids still live in the United States and their dad has the job right. in France. Okay. Yes. We'll get to how I think there could be a better system besides having like the oldest child count the rest of them. You would assume it'd be like, okay, well, four kids, still a lot of kids. I have two, double that, can't imagine. I love the like, it takes a village, it takes a tribe, but right. maybe we count our own kids getting into the shuttle bus. <laughs> yeah, because if I was, and again, this is me being Kate McAllister, that is a poor plan, but- That was so much pressure on that oldest cousin, Heather. So when I left my son at home, I would absolutely blame Heather for the rest of her life. Oh, 100%. (laughs) That family is still in therapy. They crumbled after that. Because it's easier to point the finger than to look in the mirror of like, how did it take me six hours into a Parisian flight to realize that my youngest son is missing? You're right. But like they always say, when you point a finger, three point back at you. So, Kate, take note. Well, Kevin almost lost one, so it would have only been two. (laughs) Wait, before we get too off the rails, I do want to talk about when my neighbor's house was robbed when I was in middle school. (laughs) And that part is sad. But then what's sad for me, how I come into this story, is because it happened in early November. So they had to take pictures of the crime scene to show the police. And the family didn't own a camera. So they asked my mom for a camera, which still had film in it from Halloween. So now all my Halloween photos from that year, the film went back to the beginning and was used again. So now it looks like I'm a ghost in my costume in <laughs> in the crime scene of this robbed Do you house. have these pictures? <laughs> There's like knocked over Buddha statues and then me posed as a girl in the back. But me as a girl is blurry because it's double imposed or whatever. It's well, first of all, can I be the first to say I'm so sorry that you went through that, Donnie. Thank what a you. harrowing time. I know. Thank you. I hope that you've healed. And second of all, I need to see these. I also need to see I need these. to see ghost girl Donnie <laughs> posing sexy in the back of a crime scene. My God. <laughs> Like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash I am the cute one. See you there. Well, just like Donnie losing access to 
those beautiful pictures. Mm-hmm. Our child anti-hero, Kevin, is also having a tough day. He's not allowed to watch a movie with the big kids. He has to pack his own bag for the trip, and he learns that he has to share a bed with Fuller, who is a chronic bedwetter. Poor Kev. This whole family is mean to Kevin. I know Kevin so is a smart mouth little kid. I do love a smart mouth little kid, but I know not everyone does. But I think because of how cute Kevin is, he could get away with a lot of shit. He does get away with a lot. <laughs> well, no, yeah. because everybody hates him. Yeah, for good reason. Somehow Kevin is still one of the most likable people in this family. <laughs> this family is toxic from H to T, as Tyra Banks would say. Like his brother Buzz who first of all is a real life goblin, his whole vibe, his whole aura, like he is evil. His dad just wasn't going to pay for those 600 pizzas that were delivered at the start of the movie. (laughs) Like what the fuck's going on there? We have the uncle stealing cutlery on the airplane. (laughs) They're just terrible. I hate them. (laughs) Uncle Frank is the worst. Uncle Frank is the worst. So after calling his mother a dummy and being banished to the attic, Kevin wishes that he didn't have a family. And Kevin fishes his wish when he wakes up to an empty house. In the mad dash to the airport, his family just legit (laughs) forgot all about him. Well, on paper, this is bad to hear, but (laughs) I did see how it happened. They were in a rush. A passport fell into the trash. So I do get how it happened. And I want to know... Back to the last point we talked about, where did Fuller sleep then? Everyone knew he was just going to piss all over. They didn't put him (laughs) in the attic. They put him in the den. There's a line. Kevin complains, as Kevin does, Mm -hmm. to his mother that he doesn't want to sleep with Fuller because, you know, if he has something to drink, he'll wet the bed. So his mother said, okay, we'll put him in the den with somebody. So Fuller slept somewhere else. Kevin was the only one banished to the (laughs) attic bedroom where they forgot about him. Poor Kev. He should have slept with Fuller. He would have got on the plane because Fuller probably would have peed. They would have, you know what? This could have saved the whole day. Mm -hmm. Fuller would have wet the bed. Kevin would have woke up screaming. (sighs) They all would have gotten an early wake-up call and they would have been on time. You're right. Movie over. Kevin fucked this up. Just because he didn't want to sleep in piss. Have I told the story of my gaslighting three-year-old wetting the bed on this (laughs) podcast? I don't believe so. Well, I have not heard it. (laughs) Okay. So we are officially, thank God, talk about a Christmas miracle. We are officially out of diapers. Both my girls are potty trained. But, you know, like accidents still happen, whatever. My three-year-old God lover sleeps with us every night. (laughs) I wake up a couple months ago. I wake up and I am soaking wet, half of my body soaking wet. Well, something must have happened where like her, because this is when she still was in pull-ups. Her pull-ups must have been like to the side or something happened where, you know, it was just direct pee to (laughs) me. And so she wasn't wet at all, but I was soaking wet where she was laying on me. Like clearly I know the culprit, but I'm also not trying to shame because, you know, gentle parenting and all that. And I'm like, oh, it's okay. We're going to change the sheets. And she goes, oh, mommy, did you have a little accident? And I said, well, I didn't have an accident, sweetie, but I think somebody might have. And she, like, without missing a fucking beat, looks at my husband and goes, it's okay, daddy. Accidents happen. Next time you have to use the potty. And I'm like, this motherfucker. (laughs) Like, she knew. She knew. You're in for it when she's older. I know. (laughs) Anybody else have a bed wedding story or shall I move on? Well, we know I have bladder problems, so I used to piss all the time as a little kid. I was practically fuller. And I didn't go easy on the Pepsi. So one time when I slept at my cousin's house, we used to have sleepovers all the time, and my aunt knew that I was a pisser, but 
for some reason, she thought, let's really celebrate. So she bought my cousin one of those like tents that went over the bed so we could really pretend oh, we yeah. were camping. So then when I pissed the bed, we got trapped in it because we couldn't <laughs> open the thing. So we were just screaming and it felt like the Titanic. It was filling up with <laughs> liquid. No. We're like, let us out. No. Yeah. I should have known when I asked if anybody else had a piss story that Donnie would come through. It was more of a rhetorical question, but thank you for blessing us with the Titanic of your past. Of course. So everybody's on the plane. Kevin is at home. And I do understand people that get annoyed with like chaotic kids on airplanes. Like I understand the frustration. We're all just doing our best on planes. But now that I'm officially the parent on the plane with the chaotic kids, I do always make sure like if I see other parents, I like give them like a smile and a knowing look of like, yes, I am you, you are me. We are all one episode of Umizumi away from like a complete mental breakdown. But in this case, the McAllisters have chosen to fly first class <laughs> while their children are in coach. So let's not forget this is a flight to Paris. And because um, <clears throat> I'm a professional, I did a bit of uh, research for this episode. <laughs> The flight time from Chicago to Paris is on average seven hours and 55 <laughs> minutes, which means that the McAllister demon seeds are going to be unaccompanied in coach for the length of essentially like an entire work day. Like there's going to be a class action lawsuit in the future for these people. These people are entitled to financial compensation because God knows what Buzz is doing in coach. And they don't have seats altogether. Whatever airline it was, and because they were last minute, they are spread out over coach. And these are not kids that follow etiquette or any kind of rules. So you know they're yelling over four rows. Little shits. But can you imagine you're getting on a nice flight to Paris, you're going on vacation, and Buzz is next to you? <laughs> it's you and Buzz. And you're like... I want to die. I hope this plane goes down. <laughs> Buzz is probably like eating chips. Oh, yeah. Chomping in your ear, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and Terrible. even if he's not eating them, it looks like he just constantly smells like them anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not long ago, I was on a flight to Chicago, and I was on the window, and then it was two children in the two seats next to me, and then the whole row behind me was more children. Oh. So I was surrounded by children. And then their parents were across the aisle from me. But the kid directly next to me in the middle seat was kind of curled up on the seat sleeping. And I kid you not, he farted every 10 seconds no. from Newark oh, no. to O'Hare. And they were oh. like those like kind of squeaky ones that you can like almost hear, but you could smell. Oh. And I was like, Everywhere there's a child, the parents are clueless over there, and the kid's asleep. Like, and his butt was pointed at me. Oh, no. Curled up in the seat. He's gonna be arrested by TSA. That's biological warfare. <laughs> he should have been. And I felt kind of bad because you know he was a child. But come on now. No, I would have had to tell those parents across the aisle. You're a better person than me, Jen. I was like. <gasps> also, for one of them to not offer to be like, would you like to switch? Those are my oh, children. Yes, seriously. But they just had so many. I think it was a mom and a grandmother and then like their whole like extended family of children because it was two women. Okay. And then just like all these kids. But were they by themselves? Like were they with other children? I think they had one child on their row. So it was okay. me, child, child, aisle, parent, parent, child. Okay. Well, no, not okay. That lesbian Brady Bunch was really taking advantage of you. It was a long yeah. two hours. <laughs> they were like, finally, two hours of yeah. fart-free <laughs> air. Mm -hmm. I had nothing like that. 
on my senior trip in high school, a couple went into the bathroom and had sex on the <gasps> airplane with the rest of the senior class and teachers. And then when they came out, the whole class, not me, I thought it was disgusting. The rest of the class clapped. <gasps> wow. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a good one. That is a good one. I, I just don't understand logistics. Like, I get that everybody wants to join the Mile High Club. I'm good. I'm good with the ground No, I club. see no appeal. My husband told me in his single days, he and a stranger went in there together, and he just made eye contact with him. Like, that is crazy. It's one thing to, like, fuck somebody with your eyes, and it's a pretty big hop, skip, and a jump to fucking in the <laughs> airport lavatory. Like, that is some pretty specific eye fucking. <laughs> Truly. I wonder if they did Morse code. <laughs> yeah, you have to be pretty confident in your interpretation of True. that eye contact. Because yeah. otherwise, it's going to be very awkward. Yeah. I know. Imagine, like, you read it wrong. Yeah, I was just blinking a lot because I really had to shit. You busted <laughs> like, and they're just sitting on the john. Well, I did yeah. ask our cuties for their most chaotic plane stories. And as always, they came through. <laughs> We're going right. to ease into this. We're going to start light and end with just unhinged. So one time I ran through the airport and cried for them to open the door for me. When they did, I got on the plane and everyone booed. Oh, oh my God. Can you imagine? Thing. I know. That's so mean. That's the McAllister's. <laughs> That's Buzz. <laughs> yeah. This one was just wild because I could not imagine. Pretty tame, but one time I was the only passenger on a flight. Oh. Odd and wonderful. No, terrifying. Yeah. I was once in a small commercial plane with O.J. Simpson about five years ago. Families were allowing their young kids to run to him for photos and autographs. The plane was cheering for him. He was getting special treatment from the flight attendants. Now, this is where I have follow-up questions. This person ended this mission by saying, I'm leaving out what I did, dot, dot, dot. What did you do? Had sex with him in the bathroom. She was doing the Morse code. (laughs) I don't think you did it. (laughs) Meet me in the bathroom. Now, imagine you were with O.J. Simpson on that empty flight. <laughs> I would have my finger permanently on the call button like, hello. Okay, two more. Once I got upgraded to first class and was super hungover, yay, I sat next to a man who asked to watch a movie with me, like on my own iPad. I basically said, sure, you can look at the screen, but then he whipped out headphone splitters so we could both <gasps> plug in our headphones and watch. He kept commenting on all of the hot women in the movie. <laughs> then he gave me nicknames while talking to me, and when I would say, okay, I'm going to go sleep off my hangover, he'd say stuff like, that is so you. <laughs> it taught me that I'm a little too polite to keep the peace that is no sick, sick. <laughs> i have hives I know. oh i'm horrified i hate people on planes and that's my nightmare i know i try to give all the clues like the headphones the hood up put my head Same. down and for whatever reason i'm always stuck next to the chatty kathy but i'd rather a chatty kathy than whatever the fuck that guy was doing <laughs> right okay last one <laughs> save the best for last my flight was delayed and the last people to board sat with me in parentheses, Southwest. <laughs> they had met at the airport bar and were drunk, so we all chatted and the guy bought me and his new lady friend drinks on the flight. He and I got up for the bathroom at the same time and the girl left in our row threw up across both of our seats. <gasps> she was sitting at the window. He and I had to awkwardly stand in the back while flight attendants cleaned it up. We finally got back to our seats and she's crying because she's embarrassed, so the guy starts comforting her and they start making out. She has not gotten up from the seat, so so she's definitely still pukey and has not brushed her teeth. I was mortified and asked myself multiple times, is this real life? 
That is disgusting. Disgusting. This is why I hate people on planes. Like, do not speak to me. All sense of social norms go out the window on a plane. And that's so unsettling. So unsettling. I think it was just lack of experience. But when I was little, I used to think planes were so chic and, like, exclusive. And now they're just the subways of the sky. Like, it really... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if times have changed or I don't know what is different. (laughs) If I was just wrong the whole time, but... They're so gross. <laughs> All sense of decency has changed, yeah. <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah. But especially on a plane. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the force when no one's looking or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, (laughs) unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of two hundred dollars or more it's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high quality collectibles or you can gift it to that super geek in your life perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that i've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby yoda and again that i refuse to stop calling it baby yoda plus shopping at sideshow earns you five percent back in sideshow rewards meaning for every one hundred dollars spent you get five dollars back in rewards that can be used on future purchases while geeking out is its own reward your collection goes farther with sideshow so what are you waiting for visit sideshow.com promo code cute one right now and get ready to let your geek side show oh that's clever sideshow like sideshow.com I get it. Calling all Virginia cuties. Mother Magnolia is a houseplant specialty boutique offering supplies and goods for novice self-proclaimed plant murderers to expert level plant parents. Educational and DIY workshops are offered for cuties in the area and virtual pay what you can plant consults are offered if you can't make it to Virginia. And with the holidays approaching, be sure to check out MotherMagnoliaPlants.com for their online shop. They've got everything you never knew you needed, from soil scoops and trellises to planty stickers, pins, cards, and apparel. That's MotherMagnoliaPlants.com. 
And to follow the journey, follow Mother Magnolia on TikTok, Mother Magnolia Plant Co. on Instagram and Facebook. When current sociopath and future serial killer Kevin discovers that he has, in fact, made his family disappear, his initial reaction is one of giddy excitement. He jumps on the bed, reads Playboy, eats junk and watches rubbish, sleds indoors, ugly shames Buzz's girlfriend, washes all of his major crevices, and shoots a gun indoors, a loaded gun that was just hanging on the wall of his brother's room. That was a BB gun, first of all. Second of all, this is simpler times. There is nothing wrong with anything he did. He had a limited budget. It wasn't until he broke into that little box and saw like $16 that he even had money for food. And then even with those $16, he bought fabric softener. So please let this boy live. But I do have trivia really quick. Christopher Columbus thought that using a girl as the punchline of an ugly joke would be cruel. So the photo of Buzz's girlfriend is the art director's son in a wig. Oh, great. (laughs) My husband is the king of movie trivia and he told me this every time. I thought you were going to say that was your husband. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine. Don't you think I would have led with that? <laughs> no, he's the king of movie trivia, and he tells me that every time we watch this. What kind of audience member are you when he does that? Do you act surprised every time? Or do you no, feel like my, that's uh, enough? <laughs> so while Kevin's having the time of his life, his mom does finally realize that she just straight up left her child at home. Kevin! You like that? <laughs> Yeah, nailed it. And Uncle Frank, worst of all, forgot his reading glasses. So a frantic Mrs. McAllister attempts to reach her friends, neighbors, anyone to check on Kevin, but a cab because a police officer is sent to the door, knocks exactly one time, and assumes the family just counted wrong and that Kevin is probably just with them. Like, great. Glad we put a button on that case. So finally... It is time for us to meet the heroes of this movie. Harry and Marv are modern-day Robin Hoods. They call themselves the Wet Bandits because of their signature move, leaving the water tap running as they exit a house they've robbed. We love the attention to detail. They really value what they're doing. Love to see it. I don't love what I'm doing anymore. (laughs) (laughs) and their leader harry has everything all figured out after doing some recon in his cop disguise he's found their silver tuna the McAllisters are out of town and to paraphrase emma watson in the bling ring movie they love to rob (laughs) but what he wasn't counting on was tiny terrorist with a torture kink kevin being left home alone he's not afraid anymore and soon kevin gets to live out all of his most sadistic fantasies he stages a house party with mannequins sets off firecrackers deploys a truly sinister home security system involving tar glue feathers and iron a zipline and a tarantula i was cheering for him when i watched this and i was cackling when they got their comeuppance every time they got hit with a paint can or stepped on a nail (laughs) i was just cackling out loud but did you ever see what's the movie called better watch out i think it's called it's a horror movie on christmas about this boy and his babysitter and it's basically the plot of home alone but a horror movie. yeah but then spoiler alert if you haven't seen it yet now don't because i'm ruining it halfway through you find out that the boy is behind it and he really is a sociopath so then he does all these things but then watching it through a horror lens it really is unsettling yeah but i mean just the fact that like this was a very 
detailed plan. And he whipped it out like that. He had been thinking about this. He had been thinking about ways he could torture people using Mm. common house appliances. I think so, too. Like, he knew right where that tar was. And how to use it. Like, when I was eight, I didn't know what was in the basement, and I didn't know what tar was. Or how to hit someone in the face with an iron. Like, these were thoughts that didn't cross my mind as an eight-year-old. Or ever. We should have known that he was a Boy Scout or something. That would have made a little more sense. Kevin would never be a Boy Scout. I know. know. (laughs) Sadly, this story does not have a happy ending because evil prevails. The wet bandits are just no match for the spawn of Satan, Kevin McAllister. Donnie, this might be the end of us. I I was writing this outline laughing at your reactions and you are really coming through. (laughs) You are sick, is what you are. I was inspired by our protagonist. (laughs) I don't even know who to compare you to, because you are like that old lady that wouldn't give up her seats. (laughs) You are a Christmas devil. That's that. I changed my answer. That's my favorite scene, and I identify with her <laughs> husband more than anybody else in the movie. He's an old curmudgeon, and he just wants to go home. I do kind of get it. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but that is wild that they were just like, oh, good luck. <laughs> Hope you find your kid. Best wishes. We got a flight to catch. Yeah, we're going on vacation, so good luck with your kid. <laughs> So even though no one in Paris seems to give a flying fuck that Kevin is MIA, and Buzz is still at this point still straight up rooting for Kevin to die, (laughs) Kevin does slowly realize that he misses his terrible family and that being a grown-up high-key sucks. More trivia really quick. I didn't even write this in the outline. I just remembered it when you talked about Buzz. In the original script, besides the scene, there was a scene, too, when it was overnight and, like, it showed the whole family, even Uncle Frank, up and pacing because they were so worried. And then Buzz was sleeping peacefully. (laughs) And they were like, no, that's too much. I love that that was their line in the sand. They were like, ooh. This boy cannot sleep. This makes Buzz unlikable. (laughs) So luckily, as all of this is going on, at least one person in Kevin's family is having a normal reaction to the situation, Mrs. McAllister, who is right losing her shit. She's desperate and finally gets tickets out of Paris to Scranton, Pennsylvania after, again, an evil elderly couple give her a shakedown. (laughs) Like, these people clearly knew she was trying to get home. They still made her give them $500, her watch, her earrings, her (laughs) ring, and a pocket translator for their ticket. They wanted to see how much she wanted it. Like, you already proved you're a bad mom by leaving him in a different continent not even a country different (laughs) continent so like if you want to go back and get them you're really gonna have to prove it you know it's like they saw the desperation and they weren't gonna bite at the first bid so (laughs) got to admire the capitalistic instincts so mrs McAllister though says that she will sell her soul to the devil himself which ironically would be her son so keep it in the family i guess leave him alone (laughs) to make it back to kevin and lucky for her the polka king of the midwest overhears her meltdown and offers her a ride to Chicago. And there on their trip, he gives her a pep talk and tells a harrowing tale of childhood trauma and basically tells her, listen, everybody's a bad parent. You shouldn't beat yourself up. Kids are resilient. Well, that is true. But I love John Candy. Here's more trivia. So did John Hughes, because John Hughes was fiercely defensive of his screenplay. And he insisted that nobody leave uh, what he wrote on the page. And they had to deliver the lines exactly as written, except John Candy was allowed to improvise every single one of his lines. I was hoping that you were going to give us that tidbit of trivia. Otherwise, I would deliver it. Because again, I live with the trivia king who tells me (laughs) this every time. (laughs) But that's my last bit of trivia. So then at the end, Jenna just 
just unload on us. You've been training for this. (laughs) I do have a good one. Oh, tell us. Tell us now. Okay. So there is this like Mandela effect belief that everybody thinks that New Line Cinema made Home Alone. So if you ask a person of our age, what do you think of when you see the New Line Cinema logo and you show them it's like the blue and it kind of like swoops in? Like 90% of people say Home Alone, but it's not new line. It's 20th Century Fox, but it's because the beginning of Home Alone has that blue, like the home alone with the house and it glows in the same way. And it is a thing. And I pulled people on Instagram months ago and asked them this question. Everyone said Home Alone. I literally didn't believe Google. I pulled out the DVD and put it in it's 20th Century Fox. Wow. I fell for it myself. I was one of those people that responded and was like, it's Home Alone. And then I went to the next slide and it was like, a lot of people think it's Home Alone, but it's not. I was like, well, And everybody it. was screaming at me. They were like, oh. They're like, roll the tapes. Here's the VHS. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's crazy. Which I do have. All of those, the Mandela effect, mm-hmm. all of those are so wild to me. Me too. Like us all thinking chickens were in that. Van. Right? <laughs> like classic. If you pulled a thousand people, they'd all say chickens. So in A Christmas Miracle, the whole McAllister family returns home, most of them after just taking the morning flight from Paris, the mom rolling out from that chicken coop. And again, just really hope that Kevin gets a therapist for Christmas because they really brushed a lot under the rug very quickly. I don't think they did. I think he learned the lesson he needed to learn. So then why do they need to punish him if not? It's like when... (laughs) Why does he need to be punished at all, Donnie? What do you mean? Oh, not about this, but like the lesson for the beginning of the movie. I thought that you thought they should come home and ground him for being loud. Oh, no, 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 no. Like when Buzz said, oh, I'm glad you didn't set the house on fire. You know what? Even if he did, I still don't think he should get in trouble. Because he's an eight year old left in this mansion. (laughs) Exactly. I know it was a Christmas miracle and it was like joked about in the movie, but the rest of the family walks in exactly one minute and 20 seconds after the mom comes in. So I would be so pissed if they got an extra night's sleep. I traveled and gave my ticket and my watch and my translator and had to travel with chickens. And the Polka King, and then they stroll in a minute and 20 seconds after me, I would have left myself somewhere. (laughs) If the first thing my husband said to me was like, remember that morning flight you didn't want to take? And it's like, (laughs) bitch, I have been out here trying to save our son's life. Now is not the time. Another example of Mr. McAllister not caring at all about Kevin. Like maybe his first words should be like, hey, is our kid alive? But he's like, hey, yeah, you took that flight you didn't want to wait for. And then when he finds the gold tooth, that is just laughed about, too. Like, no, clearly a creep was in your home. Yeah, you should call the police. Yeah. The police who were useless (laughs) in the situation where your eight-year-old son was left at home. (laughs) 100%. Well, before we get to final thoughts, there is this B-plot storyline throughout the film where Kevin realizes that his neighbor didn't murder his family with a shovel. And instead, he's just a sad, lonely dude who is estranged from his son and spends time feeling bad about himself in church, spying on his granddaughter. (laughs) And there's this, like, poignant scene where they have a conversation. But basically, like, we arrive at the movie's thesis. Kevin deserved to be left because he's been a bad boy. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. (laughs) But also the neighbor is clearly watching Kevin because he shows up at the house at the exact moment that he's about to have his fingers bitten off. And that's why, like, it did help out this time. But 
just because there is one set of bad adults doesn't mean that all the other adults are good. And I think that Kevin maybe should have laid traps for this old man, too. <laughs> Because he was being peeped on. Oh, no. Well, maybe it was like a Dumbledore thing where he wanted to give Harry the chance to fight Voldemort just to see if he could. But he was always going to save him with the shovel if he had to. Well, I don't know because he was just at church. Right. So. And if you knew he was by himself and then you've like been like, by the way, not a creep, just super sad and lonely. At what point do you say, do you want to come over for dinner? I have a phone. Let's call right. your parents. You know, or your house is going to get robbed and God knows what else they're going to do to you in that house when they go in to steal your VCR. Spend the night at my house so they can just take the. Or you know what? Let's bring your VCRs to my house. (laughs) God save the VCR. And while we're on the topic of bad parents, this old man's granddaughter's father is a bad parent because she was just performing at church for a congregation of five, one of which being the grandfather. It's not like he blended in a crowded audience here. You Mm -hmm. kept this man from your daughter's life. For some reason. And then he's able to spy on her every Christmas. Yeah, not great. (laughs) I do want to say, because again, this was my first time watching. So I knew, of course, like he was going to have some sort of now and then Crazy Pete redemption arc. Mm. Again, we've talked about this, Donnie. The movies in the 90s, the thesis statement is always talk to the stranger. Always talk to the creepy old man that's lurking. Like, he's never as bad as you think he's going to be. But I did think with this neighbor, when he was out, like, sprinkling salt, I thought it was going to be he didn't murder his family, but his family, like, slipped on ice and, like, cracked their heads open and died or something. And so he, like, spends his time sprinkling salt every night. (laughs) So dark. It is dark. Do you know about the pigeon lady, Chelsea? No. Who's the pigeon lady? (gasps) Oh, and the the second one is literally the exact same plot, except it takes place in New York, and the old man is a homeless pigeon woman instead. (laughs) The second one is better than the first. I go back and forth. It's the best. For me, if you take that men being tortured from the first one and replace the men being tortured from the second, I like the surrounding part of the second, but the torture scene from the first. Mm. I would agree with that. So if we were to bring this movie to present day, who would we want to cast in a remake or what would the plot to a sequel be? Okay, so I would love to see Northwest play Kevin. I think <laughs> she would she would be so good. And I don't know ages, but Kiki Palmer as the mom then would be incredible because you know I have to keep Kiki employed, mm-hmm. which it was just announced that Kiki Palmer is hosting Saturday Night Live in December know, for an I'm episode. I'm so excited. Cannot wait. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I keep casting her in things. They're like, well, now she has to advertise that she's going to be in every movie. I'm going to be in 642 <laughs> movies in the next three years. All remakes. Yeah, you're welcome, Kiki. So then as the Wet Bandits, I have Octavia Spencer and Regina Hall. Brilliant. Mm. Inspired casting, if I do say that so myself. That is good. Thank yeah. you. I mean, there have been several sequels. <laughs> All terrible. Which I only ever saw the second one, so I don't know about those others. I pretend they don't exist. Mm-hmm. I want to see a remake, but with Macaulay Culkin as a grown-up Kevin. And I want it still to be like Kevin... It's Kevin's fault and he gets put in the exact same situation, but as an adult, you know, like maybe he flies home to Chicago for the holidays to see his family, but somehow wires got crossed and his family's actually going somewhere else. And then he is at this house and 
I mean, it couldn't be the same web bandits because Joe Pesci's got to be like 80 by now, but something happens and an adult Macaulay Culkin, Kevin McAllister has to like fight the bad guys. I love that. I just feel like Macaulay Culkin is such a, such a curious character. Mm-hmm. I feel like he sure. could bring Kevin back to life. Yeah. Because he is so curious and weird. I <laughs> think it would be cute if Kevin was the weird, like, pigeon lady salt man. And then it was a new kid, like, oh, creepy old Kevin is haunting the streets again. Because he would have childhood trauma. That 100%. Yeah. yeah. He would have that hypervigilance. He's always looking for burglars. He's always scanning the room to see yes. what booby traps. Abandonment issues. <laughs> okay, so this I did. Donnie, don't yell at me. I tried this week to do this assignment you can't say that every week no 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 (laughs) i had a fucking mental block because i literally could not think of anything except i want abby lee miller to be (laughs) one of the wet bandits and i had that thought in my head and i couldn't cast anything else that's enough for me i'll take it thank you (laughs) i thought it was inspired but i literally just once that thought came it just was an intrusive thought and i couldn't think of anything else so (laughs) so final final thoughts what for us about this movie aged well and what aged like blockbuster i think it aged well and i i'm not just saying that because i have nostalgic ties because (laughs) even when i do have nostalgic ties there are still movies we've covered where i'm like oh you can't watch this today never been kissed for instance Uh um but this one i think is fine I think the whole movie probably ages like Blockbuster because (laughs) it just wouldn't work today. Like all that would have happened would be she would realize he's gone. She would have gotten Wi-Fi on the plane. She would have texted Kevin and she would have had a ticket home by the time they landed. You know, like (laughs) the actual premise wouldn't work today. I do have to say, though, after talking shit for an hour about it, I kind of love it now. (laughs) I knew you would. I agree. I think overall it's, very watchable still today, which is not the case for a lot of movies, especially 1990 is a long time ago. So that's pretty good. But you're right. The whole plot, it's like so many things that we loved back then. It just wouldn't work. Like there's too many solutions now with technology. Yeah. They wouldn't have even slept in because their iPhones would have all gone off. So let me ask you a question, Chelsea, of something that we should have probably figured out before we came on air for the past year. Mm-hmm. When we say age like blockbuster, how do we mean that? Well, yeah, this is probably good for us to talk about on episode, <laughs> what, like 50? Um, for me, it's like things that age very, very poorly, but right. also things that like, it just doesn't work anymore. Okay. So then that way, yes, I agree. So with I you. don't think there's anything like problematic. That's like, how I look maybe at Maybe the it. buzz girlfriend thing. Like, did we need to include that? Probably not. But you know, I have no problem talking I about know. ugly girls. But so. I'm just saying like, there is no never been kissed element of right. a teacher, like literally trying to fuck his student and not knowing True. she's of age. But I think to be clear, I understand why this is a classic. And I understand for people who grew up watching this movie, I get that it's like Christmassy and like takes you back and it has all the music and it has all the things. And I think like for me watching it for the first time as a 33 year old with ADHD, there's so much. They all talk like Gilmore Girls. They're all talking at the same time. The music is like, and I just like was grinding my teeth. Like what the fuck is happening? I thought that this was different. But I think if I were to watch it again, knowing what to expect, Mm. I think it might be something that, like, I like more and more as I watch. 
I think so. But don't let your daughters watch because they absolutely will start talking like him. I'm over here, you horse's ass. Better come out and find me. Oh, 100%. I was going to watch it with them today. My husband was like, maybe not yet. (laughs) I was like, okay. And then I watched it. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe not yet. Oh, Too many ideas. For sure. And that's what I was going to say at the start of the episode, that I don't know why you hated Kevin so much because (laughs) I love Kevin the same reason I love your girls. (laughs) Like, say, if there are any real-life humans that would do this, it is, oh, no, Chelsea babies. I know. And I think that that's why... I think that's why I was triggered during this movie is I'm like, this is plausible. Also, again, ADHD gang, maybe I would be the mom that leaves. It's like, oops, I knew I forgot something. Wasn't my keys today, was my child. Things are all making sense. And I know you're trying to end this episode, but I was looking on IMDb about what didn't age well, because earlier I saw some woman, you can submit your own facts on IMDb, as we learned a few weeks ago from our guest. Um, and someone was like, Kevin was emotionally abused. This is not funny. And like, that was just submitted as a trivia fact. So I was trying <laughs> to look for that to say it didn't age well. But instead, I found this and Jenna, you need to tell your husband and please film his reaction. In the original draft of the screenplay, Uncle Frank is revealed to be the big bad. And he's the boss of of Harry and Marv, and he hired them to rob the McAllister house and the other houses in the neighborhood when he knew they would be away, and also to kill Kevin. <gasps> oh my God! <laughs> no. Yeah. To kill Kevin? To kill Kevin. So was he responsible for the power outage then? Like, it was all I part guess of so. his plan? <laughs> that is some jigsaw <laughs> saw shit. And then I guess 20th Century Fox is like, is this a Christmas movie or not? <laughs> we need to pick here. Oh, my that God. crazy. They should remake it then as a horror movie. I kind of want to see that, that story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Jenna, thank you so much for coming on. Please plug yourself and tell everybody about your amazing new podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm Jenna Barkley. You can find me at Jenna A. Barkley everywhere. And my podcast where I just talk about random stuff, uh, nostalgic things, is called Talks in Class because that's what I got on my report card all the time as a kid. (laughs) Love that. Well, go give her a listen. Subscribe, rate, review. It means a lot to get those reviews early on because it helps bump the charts, find new listeners, all those things. And if you guys loved her here, you're going to love her even more without us being chaotic in the background. (laughs) Next week, we are covering When Harry Met Sally – and oh now God. that's a Meg Ryan movie that should be discussed. We can leave You've Got Mail in Oh, the God. Playoffs. You just sighed, and I was like, not again. Oh, so. no. A good one. It's a good one. Okay, good. Maybe the Christmas miracle will be that we both love the movie next week, because the <laughs> pendulum has been a swinging, baby. So mm. anyway, we will talk to you later. Love, love you like a sister. sister. Thank you for listening to I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at Real Donnywood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at Ono Chels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash I Am The Cute One. And go to I Am The Cute One.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk, Talk to, to you later. later. Love Love you like a sister. sister. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.